Hello and welcome to the Last Push podcast. On today's episode, we are going to take a look at biology topic. We're going to take a look at biology topic six. Um, and it really is the second part, the second section that you need to know about that comes with biology paper two. So at the end of your GCSEs, you're going to have six exams and you always have two exams per science subject. So for example, you're going to have a biology paper one and then you'll have a biology paper two. Same with chemistry, you'll have a chemistry paper one and you'll have a chemistry paper two and also the same thing with physics. So you'll have a physics paper one and a physics paper two. Now, when I mention that it's in the paper two or the paper one, I'm trying to give you a little bit of direction with um, your studying because you want to make sure that you're trying to study topics from paper one and paper two alongside each other and you're spacing them out and you're making sure that you're giving yourself enough time to learn the topics and enough time to frequently come back to those topics and do something called interleaving where if you studied for example cells last week and then you're studying other things this week, you also might want to come back and do a quick little recap or a quiz on cells. So basically, you want to make sure that you're going through an exercise that helps you retrieve the information that you studied previously to strengthen it in your memory to make sure that you are helping keep it in your long-term memory so that it will be easier to actually get out of your long-term memory when you're in exam conditions. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at some of the topics in the sixth section of your biology specification, which is called reproduction. So get a pen, get some paper, and we'll get started. Okay, so we are going to take a look and we are going to start focusing on reproduction. And with reproduction, there are two types of reproduction. We've got sexual reproduction and we also have asexual reproduction. And it's important to know a little bit about both of them. So when we are talking about asexual reproduction... We are always talking about it involving only one parent. So there's only one parent in asexual reproduction. And technically you wouldn't have the fusion of gametes. And when I say fusion of gametes, I mean an egg and a sperm cell joining together in fertilization. So it's one cell that is usually making a clone of itself Um, If you look at some examples where this happens, you might want to pause the video and look up this keyword, binary fission. 
So with bacteria cells, how they reproduce is through binary fission. And basically what it is, is you've got one adult cell and that one adult cell is able to duplicate its genetic material inside of that cell and then it expands and breaks off and pinches off into two separate cells which we would think of as clone cells so you start with one parent and then you've got two cells that are genetically identical and then from that it can carry on you can have four cells that are genetically identical and this is one of the reasons why bacteria cells are really good at reproducing quickly because there's no fusion of genetics. The cells don't have to really do that much extra work to clone themselves. And when we're talking about this type of reproduction, oftentimes we associate it with the words mitosis. And mitosis should sound familiar to you because it's something that we talked about when we talked about the cell cycle. And the cell cycle is seen when you're looking at your cells and organelles and cellular division. And we study that when we look at biology paper one topics. It's right at the very start of your curriculum. So mitosis is a form of asexual reproduction, and it's a form of how we get identical cloned cells. So if you visualize this for a second, I think it's really easy to think about it if you start thinking about the cells on your own body. So if you're looking at your skin cells, those skin cells, you want all of your skin to actually be clones because you want your skin to all act the exact same, look the exact same, etc. Same with different tissues in your bodies. You want all the cells within that tissue to be exact clones because you want them to all look the same and do the same function. So that's why mitosis is considered, it's considered an asexual reproduction and it's how we make and clone body cells. And it's always going to be genetically identical at the end of the process of mitosis. So a really good kind of refresher that you might want to do is you might actually want to pause this right now and you might want to actually think and go back and think of with mitosis, we've got the stages of the cell cycle. So what needs to happen in stage one of the cell cycle before the cell can actually start dividing? What are the steps with stage one? Stage two is mitosis, but what actually does that mean? What are two or three points that you can jot down to actually describe what mitosis is? And lastly, the third stage, which is also called cytokinesis, when you've got two genetically identical daughter cells that are completely formed, how do those two cells actually form the cytoplasm and what else had to actually break away? So there's three kind of questions that you can think about answering 
you might want to pause this video and you might want to actually take some time to go back and think about the cell cycle because the whole section with reproduction and asexual reproduction, mitosis, it's seen in paper one, but it also is mentioned in paper two. So it's an interchangeable topic that comes up more than once. So with our cell cycle, go through, I'm going to say some guiding questions one more time so that you can actually pause and try them. So what happens in stage one of mitosis? What are some steps that actually happen in mitosis or describe mitosis? And the third and final guiding question is going to be, what is cytokinesis? And how are two genetically identical cells formed at the end of mitosis? So pause the video and actually go away and do that so that you're actually working on some retrieval questions and strengthening your long-term memory. So what we're going to take a look at next is sexual reproduction. And when we're talking about sexual reproduction, it is the fusion or the joining of male and female sex cells or male and female gametes. So in animals, this could be the sperm and the egg cell. And in flowering plants, this could be the pollen and the egg cells. And what those cells will do is they'll fuse together and there'll be a mixing of genetic information. And because the genetic information is mixing, it means that the offspring, um, the children that are formed actually have got variation and they've got a variety of different characteristics that they get from both parent cells. So that's one of the reasons why we're not exact clones and we're not exact replicas of our parents. We've got attributes and characteristics that come from both of them. We are a version, a new version that's genetically different and we've got variation. And sexual reproduction can also be called meiosis. So meiosis sounds very similar to mitosis and it's because actually when we're looking at both of these they are actually quite similar in how they actually go through the steps um, from the start of mitosis and the start of meiosis all the way to the end of mitosis and the end of meiosis. So as we go through this, I think it's going to be really, really helpful and beneficial if you actually have got a diagram of mitosis and meiosis. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to pause this. I want you to actually go and Google a diagram of mitosis and meiosis. So as we talk through meiosis, you've got the diagram to look at. And you can also compare it to mitosis. So go get that diagram.
Okay, hopefully that gave you enough time to grab yourself a diagram that has got mitosis and meiosis in it. So what I like to do usually is have a summary table of both of these because it's really, really helpful. So hopefully in your diagram, you're gonna notice that both of these processes involves divisions and both of these processes will also start with one cell and they'll end with more than one cell. So when we look at mitosis, hopefully you are noticing in your diagram that there's one parent cell and what will happen is the genetic information and the organelles, those have all doubled in that cell from the first stage of the cell cycle. So when that cell divides and splits in its one and only division, it will form two genetically identical cells. And that's what will happen. So you should hopefully see one parent cell and two daughter cells with mitosis. There's one division and what you need to try to remember is that with mitosis, it's a clone. So the daughter cells are genetically identical. Meiosis is a little bit more complicated. Um, and probably you can notice that when you're looking at the diagram itself. Hopefully you can see in the diagram that it again starts with one parent cell. But then... Instead of having one division, you should notice that in fact, there are two divisions in meiosis. And this is really important to note. And then what is also different is at the end of meiosis, you've got four genetically unidentical cells. So there's variation within the four daughter cells that are made. So you can see that there are some similarities, but actually there are a lot of differences between mitosis and meiosis. And it's really important for you to try to remember at least three or four of them. So what I suggest you do is you actually do a comparison table where you've got one header mitosis, the other header meiosis, because in that way it breaks down the information and you can simplify it a little bit easier to try to remember it. So if we go through kind of the summary of meiosis one more time, um, and then after that, I really hope that you do pause the video and you actually take some time to do that table if you haven't already. So with meiosis, the whole reason why meiosis happens is to actually make sex cells, to make gametes. So cells in the reproductive organs, so in the testes, in the ovaries, those cells in the reproductive organs are going to divide by meiosis and they will be forming gametes. And gametes, your sex cells, have half 
the amount of genetic information. They have half the amount of chromosomes than our normal body cells. So each sperm cell has got 23 chromosomes and each egg cell has got 23 chromosomes. And when they fuse together in fertilization, when they join together, what happens is the chromosomes from the sperm cell and the chromosomes from the egg cell will actually fuse. And then you'll have a full set of chromosomes. And that is why it's always said that we get half of our traits from our biological mother and half of our traits from our biological father. So if you get asked a question about that, hopefully you'll be able to remember this and be able to use this example. So when the cell divides to actually form a gamete, what first happens is there's going to be copies of the genetic information which is made. So the chromosomes, the DNA, that will copy. And then the cell divides twice to form four gametes. And each of those gametes have got a single set of chromosomes. And all four of these gamete cells, which could be sperm cells or could be egg cells, all four of these gametes that have been made, all four of these gametes are genetically different from each other. So it's really important to remember that at the end of meiosis, you've got four genetically different cells, whereas with mitosis, you've got two genetically identical cells. So what I really suggest you do is I really suggest that you pause the podcast and you actually take a minute to do a comparison between mitosis and meiosis because I think that's going to be really really important for us to do. Now the next thing that we need to look at is the DNA and the genome. So DNA, when we talk about DNA and we think about DNA, we think about genetics And when we think about genetics, DNA, genetic material, hopefully we're remembering that all of this is found in the nucleus of every single one of our cells. So if I was to look at a skin cell under the microscope, I would see that inside the nucleus, there is the DNA. I'd have to have an extremely high-powered electron microscope to do this. I could also take a look at some tissue from a lung. Um, And if I get some cells that are actually lung cells, you should be able to do the same thing. Same thing goes with plants as well. Inside of every single cell, we have got every single eukaryotic cell, we have got DNA, which is inside of the nucleus. And some facts about DNA is that it's considered to be a polymer. 
and it's made up of two strands which form a double helix. So a lot of the times when I'm talking about DNA, I like to just say DNA double helix to try to remind students that that is the shape that's considered the shape that it's in, DNA double helix. And Watson and Crick discovered this um, and it took uh, human human scientists a really, really long time to be able to map out uh, the shape of DNA and to be able to map out the genome and where on our DNA, where on our chromosomes are things called genes. So we'll get to that in a minute. But what Watson and Crick are well known for is they were two scientists who were able to actually do studies and figure out that DNA is a double helix. And they got a Nobel Prize for this. Now, when I talk about DNA, there are so many different words that we need to try to wrap our heads around. So let's just start thinking about, okay, first of all, picture a cell. Inside of that cell, we've got organelles. I want you to focus on the nucleus as an organelle. Now, inside the nucleus, you have got 23 pairs of chromosomes. And in a lot of diagrams, these look like little X's. You've got 23 pairs of chromosomes. One pair is coming from the sperm cell. The other pair is coming from the, or the other one that makes the pair is coming from the egg cell. So 23 pairs of chromosome. And DNA is wound around different proteins and DNA is basically wound up to form these chromosomes. And there are a lot of good Google images that show that DNA is wound up and balled up and will actually turn into and form these X-shaped chromosomes. So if you need a visual, try to get a visual. And then the next thing to try to think about once we've really visualized, we've got the cell then inside of the cell, we've got a nucleus. Inside of the nucleus, we've got all that coiled up DNA, which will form 23 pairs of chromosomes. And then if we're thinking about a chromosome, if we're thinking about a very small section of a chromosome, it is called a gene. And what genes do is they basically determine our physical characteristics. So each gene codes for a specific particular sequence of amino acids, which will make a protein. And those proteins are what actually codes for our characteristics. For example, our hair color, our eye color. So genes are really, really important and they're small sections of DNA on the chromosomes. 
And what the Genome Project is, is the Genome Project is basically scientists that have gone in and they've looked at DNA and they've been able to actually figure out exactly where on chromosomes are certain genes, which is really, really interesting because that can be used to help with finding cures for diseases and things like that and potentially stopping the um, birth defects and things like that from happening before they even do. So we've got genes which are small sections on the chromosomes and each gene is going to code for a particular amino acid to make a protein and that's really, really important for us to kind of be able to visualize that and think about that in terms of our cell, the nucleus, 23 pairs of chromosomes made up of that coiled up DNA, and a section of your chromosome is going to be a gene coding for a protein. And it's really important to be able to actually have the human genome because it actually shows that genes are linked to different types of diseases. It's going to help us with the treatment of those inherited disorders. And we can also use it in tracing human migration patterns as well. So from a historian point of view, this is extremely interesting. Now, the next section that we're going to take a look at goes into even more detail um, with genetic inheritance. And instead of doing that on this podcast, because if you have not studied this before, and if you haven't actually spent some time revising this, then already your mind is filled with a lot of different information that I've just said to you. So instead of going and moving forwards, what I think would be more beneficial is if we come back to this topic and we go into even more detail with genetic inheritance after you've actually had some time to let all of this sink in and to go back and to actually write some revision notes, to actually go through, write some flashcards, or do a mind map, because there's a lot of work that you can do with comparisons so far in this section. So if I just summarize what we've done, and what you should take away from this and actually go away and potentially do some more work on. We started with reproduction and we started with looking at the difference between asexual and sexual reproduction. And you should now be able to do a mind map or be able to do a comparison table using asexual reproduction and sexual reproduction and linking those to the steps in mitosis and the steps in meiosis and be able to do a comparison short essay on those. So what are the similarities? What are the differences? 
And then the last thing that you should be able to do, because this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than normal, so you will have that time to actually go back and actually try putting some of this practice to good use, is the other thing is that you should be able to draw yourself a diagram that actually lets you visualize and actually lets you ingrain a memory in your long-term memory that looks at a cell and then looks at the nucleus and then go further into the nucleus how many chromosomes are there what does the dna look like when it's bound up as a chromosome and wound up as a chromosome and then also label where a gene would be on a chromosome so a gene is a small section of that dna on the chromosome so we will do another podcast which goes through the second part of reproduction and we'll look at genetic inheritance we'll look at inheritance disorders sex determination and then we'll start looking at variation and evolution, selective breeding, and genetic um, engineering, as well as fossils. But before we do that, it's really, really important that because there's a lot of scientific keywords, you actually take some time and you try to actually do some work to embed some of this into your long-term memory so that when we come back to this in a day or two's time for our next podcast, most of these keywords will actually be familiar. So you have got to do mind map or a comparison table, a little comparison essay, and then a diagram which looks at the cell all the way through to the genes. So get to work, get intentional, spend at least 15 minutes doing this so that you are doing some work to help embed this in your long-term memory. And I hope you guys have a lovely, wonderful afternoon.